Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander, and my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander. Another edition, another week, and I hope everything's going fine for you. Don't forget, you can watch us on Fayette TV Channel 77. Also, can watch us on YouTube and also at online with BillAlexander.com and listen to the audio podcast at iTalkRadio.us. And we have a new feather in our cap tonight. Starting in the coming weeks, we'll also be on WMCK.FM. So we're going back to radio again in the loosest sense of the word, but we're going back to radio again, which I'm really looking forward to it. Anyway, tonight we're going to be speaking with a local author who wrote a children's book along with her daughter, and it is called Della... If you can get 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 on the screen. It's so hard to do whenever you're looking at things backwards. Della and uh, Lila meet the Monongahela mermaid and on the phone right now we have Brianne Mitchell. Brianne, how are you doing this evening? I'm well, Bill. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm doing fine tonight on a very cold night in southwestern Pennsylvania. Vive in the Monongahela tonight as cold as it is. Uh, I think she can adapt. <laughs> I think she can adapt. I think she's doing okay. <laughs> um, my favorite story to tell. So my daughter Della was five years old and we were makeup work, makeup worksheets at our kitchen table one night, and she'd been sick for a few days from school. And, um, you know, we were working on worksheets six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And finally she said, Mom, can I have a break? And I said, sure, you can have a break. Do you want a snack or something? And she said, no, actually, I would like to tell you a story. And so Della began to tell me this beautiful story of a mermaid who lived in the Monongahela River, when she was five years old, she was in kindergarten, and it was a freezing cold night. It was March. Um, it was freezing. We had six inches of snow, and I was just sitting at my kitchen table, absolutely mesmerized by this beautiful story from the imagination of a five-year-old. And I happened to be working at the time um, on my laptop, and I said, Della, I'm going to write this story down. And so that is how the entire book series got started. Which is kind of awesome that your daughter just wanted to tell you a story and you had enough foresight to type it so you could share it with other people. Now, how long did it take you to get the book published? 
<laughs> well, um, so it took about a year, the entire, um, from idea to holding a physical copy of the book in our hands. Uh, it took about an entire year and it was never, we never had the idea. We never had the intention to make this story into a book. Um, that kind of just happened along the way. And it was, you know, it was just part of the, of the progress and, you know, it's the story of the story, uh, if you will, it was just a, a really nice thing that happened. And so Della's story, I thought it was fantastic. I wanted to type it down and remember it, maybe print it out and put it in her baby book or put it in her mm-hmm. scrapbook. And one thing led to another and we eventually had a published book. Now, um, when you started doing this, and, and the idea of being having it published and everything else, did you think it was going to be a series? It was going to be one and done, however that's going to be? Because right now, as you said, you have two books, and a third one's going to be coming out very soon. Yes. So from the very beginning, um, I always thought the story was very special. It resonated with me. Um, it resonated with my family and our friends and the people who know us. Uh, so I always thought, you know, something something had to be done with this with this particular story. And then um, when we actually got into the the nitty gritty of the writing process, all of these other ideas and all of these other stories just sort of came about. So I knew that if I kept going, that if I wanted to keep going, um, using the imaginations of my daughters, uh, I had an, I had an endless supply um, of children's stories. And so I knew we could get a couple really good ones Um, written down and published. And so I didn't think that it would be a series right away. But once we started working on the first book, I knew that there were more stories to tell. Now, I'm looking at the uh, first book, uh, Della and uh, Lila Meet the Monongahela Mermaid. And it says illustrated by Cyan Bowman. How did you come across working with them? So Sean is... um, She's a she's Wait, a friend. She's a really good friend Sean? now. S I A N is Sean. Yes, it's actually <laughs> Welsh. Um, I've never seen that she, spelling before. Yes, yes. So so it's it's the Welsh spelling. Um, Sean lives in Wales. Okay, and that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I I saw her work. I saw her illustrations. Um, She's an incredible artist. She's an incredible illustrator. And I, I thought that her work really represented our story, the story of a, of a little girl. Um, and I reached out to her. She, she had never done a children's book before. Um, Sean had worked primarily um, an avarist with whales, um, with working on greeting cards and local art. And she, um, I sent her an email and I said, hey, would you be interested in illustrating a children's book? And she said, sure, how do we do that? (laughs) Um, And so we just, you know, we communicated back and forth over email, over FaceTime. Um, I sent her videos, I sent her pictures, and she just put together, she created this beautiful world, this beautiful, um, all these beautiful images of, of our home. And, uh, she had never, she had never been here. Um, coincidentally, um, where Sean lives in Wales is, geographically very similar to southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, so she was able to to recreate these beautiful um, river valleys and rolling hills 
uh, based on her home as well. So it was pretty pretty neat how it all worked out. And when I go through the book and look at it, it is very colorful. And it, it's, it's very nice how she's captured um, your daughter's. And also the, uh, the the mermaid in the book. And there's one line in here, and I I read it, and it stopped me. It says, the mermaid had a light rainbow fin and was wearing purplish fuchsia top. I'm thinking, fuchsia? Yeah. Well, that's not a color you hear every day, <laughs> especially uh, so coming from really a five-year-old. Yes, yes. No, it's so interesting that you that you brought up that sentence. It's so interesting that you pointed that out. Um so in the whole um, book publishing and distribution world in regard to children's books, that was one of the very first things um, whenever I reached out to publishers, um, who, you know, who I thought would, would be interested in working with us to publish the book. That was one of the very first things that they said had to absolutely be changed. Um, a light rainbow fin and a purplish fuchsia top is not something that um, uh, an early reader can easily pronounce or easily understand. Um, Della was really into the color fuchsia okay. <laughs> at the time. Uh, she had just learned about it in kindergarten from her kindergarten teacher, and she thought it was a really cool color and a really cool word. And so she would always say, my favorite color is fuchsia. I love the color fuchsia. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it was really neat. It was really, really neat how how she incorporated that and a um, a rainbow fin, you know, just this was straight from the imagination of a five-year-old. These um, these types of things make the book um, very, very true to her story. And so the very first thing that everyone always said about publishing was you have to change the word Monongahela. It absolutely cannot be in the title of this book. Um, and the very, the very next thing was... Uh, rainbow fin and purplish fuchsia top there was just absolutely no way that any editor any publisher was going to go for the word monongahela and purplish fuchsia top um and it that was that was the point where you know i said but this this really did come out of the mouth of a five-year-old and Mm -hmm. she doesn't know any other river besides the monongahela and purple you know purple and fuchsia are, are her favorite colors so we have to keep this story true to her and um I, you know, I had to keep those in there because that was that's part of Della. That's who she is. Those are the stories that she told and she continues to tell. And it, that was just a very important line for us. Well, I never thought about the word Monongahela because I'm so familiar with that word. And, and same with my kids. They're familiar with it. But you mentioned that a funny story that I have about that word is that my mother's husband was from Philadelphia. And when he came back here, moved back here, he couldn't say Monongahela. He called it the Monongahickey because that was his way of referring to it. And I'm going, no, Joe, it's Monongahela, not Monongahickey. So, again, it it is. It's it's a tough word if you're not familiar with it. It really is. So, so Yes, it is a tough word. And, yeah. And I, I was really impressed that you explained where the word comes from. Um, that mm. it's an Indian origin um, from the banks of and everything else. It's very impressive that you do it because when you read the book, you think of a children's book, it's just going to be entertaining. But in this one, and I'm sure the other ones that you've written too are going the same way. There's actually explanations in the margins about what words mean or anything else. There's another line in here too. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. Um, do, 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 do. 
Oh, here it is. Top secret fact. In addition to the familiar animals and fishes who make up the Monongahela River their home, there are also mermaids, monsters, and pirates who call the river their home, too. Shh. It will be our secret. In the bottom margin, it says, the monsters aren't mean, just mis misunderstood, and they are actually very helpful. Yes. And I think that's really cool that you're able to do that, and then you start talking about what an expert means, what waterfowl is, and... Um, spectacular is another way to say amazing and so on and so forth throughout the book because again you're giving explanation to the words that they may not understand and when i look at the picture of the water file the water file excuse me the the artist sean did amazing jobs with with differentiating dif, differentiate excuse me of what the ducks actually look like she really did she really really did and so um you know, for people who are familiar with with the river, you know these these particular birds, ducks, geese, waterfowl, um, are are familiar to us. But even even the children uh, who went to school with the Della, you know, some of them didn't get to spend as much time on or near the river as we did. And so, just to see those um, in illustration, just to sort of point those out and make that like a little mini lesson mm -hmm. um, or an aside of the book, you know, that was just really important to us. That was really important to me, and that was important to Della um, because she weighed in on every aspect of this book, what it felt like, the size, the illustrations, the colors. Um, and so that was really important, and she thought that was a really cool aspect um, to see all the different types of, of waterfowl <laughs> um, that are that are that make the Monongahela their home as well. So she she actually weighed in on that. So how old is Della now? Della is 10. 10? Wow. So she's in 5th mm -hmm. grade. 4th yes. grade. 5th yes, grade. Yes, Time fifth flies. Grade. Mm -hmm. And so the second book is called um, Treasure Adventure, Della correct? and Lila. Oh, yes. Del yes, and the Treasure Adventure, yep. And what's that one about? So Della and Lila and the Treasure Adventure um, is is the story of Della and Lila setting out along the Monongahela River to find General Braddock's buried treasure um, during, um, historically speaking, uh, during the Battle of the Monongahela, uh, General Braddock had his troops bury a cannon full of gold coins um, the night before battle and his soldiers were to be paid the next day after they quote unquote won the battle. Um, General Braddock was wounded in the battle and was um, taken back to Fort Necessity by George Washington. But in the meantime, the cannon full of gold and, and gems and coins and became sort of a buried treasure and a local legend. And to this day, um, no one has ever claimed to have found it. So, Della and Lila uh, find an old map in one of my books, and they set out to find General Braddock's buried treasure. And um, they meet lots of really fun, interesting people along the way. They meet river pirates, uh, which we alluded to in the first uh, book in the on the fact page we just talked about. And um, uh, the pirates sort of point them in the right direction, and they search and search and search. And um, spoiler alert, they never find the buried treasure, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> what they find along the way is, is worth more than gold. Okay. So it, it's a book just teaching kids that, that things are, are, are people in a relationships are more important than things then. 
absolutely. Okay. Um, and then the third book coming out um, this coming this coming spring, I guess, and that's going to be yes, yes. And the it's the third and final book in the Dell and Lila book series. So it's Dell and Lila meet the Monongahela monster. Um, and our monster really isn't a monster. He's just misunderstood. And um, he, he is um, shy and afraid of the, the people, you know, in, along the river uh, because they call him a monster. And um, really, he just sort of wants to be friends with everyone. And so it's not, uh, you're not judging people or, or river monsters <laughs> um, <laughs> based on, on how they look or preconceived notions. And it's really about um, not judging others and being kind and getting to know one another. So whenever you thought about the your daughter giving you the first story and then the subsequent stories afterwards, were your, was your intention always to write children's book or, or like you said, just share it and share it with family and friends? Because from what I'm seeing, there is some popularity to the book, not only locally, but also um, regionally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the intention, like I never sat down with Della or Lila and said, let's write children's books. Okay. Um, it was a really, you know, it was a really organic process. Um, it was a really, it was just sort of a creative process. And I never in a million years would have, um, given myself permission to be an author or a co-author. Like I never would have had the, oh, I don't know, self-confidence, I guess, to say, I'm, I'm going to write a book because I'm an author. Um, right. But doing this project with my children, doing this project with and for my girls, um, you know, just seeing it through every step of the way and doing it for them, um, I was sort of able to give myself permission to do that. And so... Um, once, once I, you know, felt okay about the entire process, then the creativity started flowing, then things started falling into place. Um, you know, then I could look forward and say, okay, and the next book and the next book and the next book and the next book. And, and so it was just this, this is beautiful process of self-discovery and, you know, just being a mom and, um, doing something with my daughters, doing a creative project with my daughters and with my entire family, really, um, you know, that's how the, that's how the book series came to be. Um, I would, I would never, you know, five or six years ago, sit down and say, I'm an author and I'm going to write a book. I would never have the self-confidence to do right. that. So why only three books? Why aren't we taking this any further? Well, um, so this is the Monongahela River series, you know, Della and Lila and all of the Monongahela okay. River series. Um, and so Della is currently writing her own book. Um, I haven't even read most of it yet. And she's writing her own book. It's a young adult novel. Um, I'm currently writing my, uh, what I affectionately refer to it as, is my big girl book. Okay. Um, <laughs> worked on children's books when my when my children, you know, were really heavily focused on children's books, and okay. now they're very heavily focused on young adult novels, and mm -hmm. so that's what Della's interested in, and that's what she's writing. Um, Lila is really into poetry. She's putting, and it's very possible in the near future that Lila will have a book of poetry available. And, um, and like I mentioned, so I'm writing my, my, my big girl book also. So my work of fiction, um, 
Can you tell us and, what and your, those are the can you tell us what your big girl book is? Uh, it's yeah, so it's a it's a book about self discovery okay. of a woman in the Pennsylvania wild. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. one question I have for you after so, since we've talked about the children's book, what is your background? What what is um, your background, educational background, to even give you the the bravery, I guess, to start writing books now, your own book and possibly a series of those. Because I've talked yeah. to authors um, for as many years as I've been doing this program, and I'll be speaking to some more in the near future here about what got them started or what gave them the, um, I don't want to say permission, but gave them the push to do it. And I understand your daughters did, but now mm-hmm. you're going to do it on your own. So what what background do you have to be a, be an author? Sure. So um, from an educational um, background. I have a bachelor's in English. And I have a master's in communication, and I have a a postgraduate certificate in conflict management. So I did a lot of academic writing. Okay. Um, and then after um, after I graduated from grad school, um, I started working uh, like in a corporate job, but I also started teaching college part-time. I taught at WCCC at the community college for many years, and then I was an adjunct at Waynesburg, and I eventually became a uh, full-time faculty member at West Liberty University, which is right outside of Wheeling and near Bethany College. And so I was in um, the academic arena for quite some time. So I eventually retired. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so, so I, I've seen you uh, pictures of you a few times and I've seen you out in public with your husband. You're like what? 12, 13 years old. I mean, you're not that old. <laughs> How have you done all this? I mean, you had to start when you were like eight. Um, so I, yeah. I mean, you I were a business teaching. owner in town for a while too. I mean, geez. Yes. I mean, yes, yes. Because um, <laughs> I don't want to ask you, but I have. Give me an age range of how old you actually are. I'm almost forty. See, really? Doggone mm-hmm. it! You look amazing for almost being forty. Thank you. I mean, really, Thank do you. I'll take it. <laughs> because I always, because um, every time I see him going, there's no way she's that old. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep, I'm almost 40. Almost 40. Uh, and one almost other thing 40. before I get off the subject. Um, on the book, whenever you talk to Sean next time, she has to draw your husband much, much taller. <laughs> I told her that already. <laughs> How tall is your husband? Uh, my husband is six, seven and a half. And he's every bit of that too. Um, I've had the case, yeah. which he wouldn't remember this. I've met him on a couple of occasions. Very, very, uh, very nice individual. Actually, I ran into you this past Christmas at Story Square at Light Up Night. Yeah, in Uniontown. Yes. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that's when I ran into you last. Yes. No. I love. I love Light Up Night in Uniontown. It is my. Oh my goodness! One of my favorite nights of the year. It's it's so wonderful, and I have to touch base, of course, about Mitch really quickly. He yeah. really is one of the nicest people in the whole world. He's so kind and so generous. And uh, yeah, so I I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. But um, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. You're so involved in the community. Why why yeah. why do you have this attachment to this region, and you are so involved? 
Yeah, so um, a, a few different reasons, um, but the the first and foremost, um, I love my home. I love my town. I love southwestern Pennsylvania. I love Pittsburgh. Um, I love where I'm from. Um, but but just from like a really hyper local standpoint, so um, Brownsville, the river, um, the greater Uniontown area, you, you know, that's where I grew up and it just feels like home and it feels like, um, you know, it, it feels good. It feels good to be um, from this area. But uh, when Mitch and I were married and, and we had the girls and the girls were very young, you know, we had a decision to make. Um, we could move anywhere in the world. You know, we could do anything in the world, anything that we wanted. Um, but we wanted to raise our children around our families. Mm-hmm. Um, so we chose to, to, to be here, to live here, to make our home here. And then we decided that we should probably um, step up and make the community better, a little better um, for our children than we found it. And so that's just been our driving force like, like that's been our our, our Reed, driving i just lost you <laughs> i don't know if that's on and my end or on it. your it's end but our audio just cut out and i don't know if you can hear me oh. or not so i'm going to step away for a brief break and then come back with more with uh brianne mitchell here online with yours truly bill alexander <laughs> Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Bill Alexander with you back here online with Bill Alexander. Had a strange technical difficulty. Still don't understand what happened, but hey, it's the internet and technology works wonderful when it works. And then when it doesn't, you have to deal with stuff like this, but that's okay. <laughs> Anyhow, we have uh, Brian Mitchell on the phone with us right now. We have her back. And we were talking before um, the whole situation happened, disappeared. We were talking about why you're doing so much community um, community work, volunteer work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think we were we were talking about. Um, I was listing. I was giving you lists, Bill. Yeah. One. <laughs> yes. This is this is our home. Um, you know, we we love it here. Um, we love where we live and and our friends and family and community. And number two, um, we want to make our community and our town and our area, our region, um, but. A little better off than we found it um, for our children and for future generations. And we just think it's really important to lend a hand, to help others, to pitch in in your to my heart and my soul. Um, I was always raised uh, to help others. And my mom's 
favorite thing to say was to teach kindness. And so we use that hashtag on social media all the time, teach kindness, teach love. Um, and that was just something that was instilled in me as a very young person. And I wanted to instill those values and those qualities in my children. And I think the best way to do it is to lead by example. And that that is really, that's really awesome to hear you say that because you're right. We see those things and I don't know if people really understand what kindness is. And the only way you understand kindness is by seeing other people's actions. And um, from what, what you do in the community, what your husband does, and now what your girls do, that is the true meaning of kindness right there because you're looking out for other people. I noticed over the holiday season you were involved with um, a lot of stuff dealing with um, local charities in the area with, um, with gifts and stuff like that for the less fortunate. And I think that's a great message to teach younger people. My goodness, absolutely. What what better message to teach than than to be kind and, and to love each other and to help each other, um, especially children? And I feel that um, so, so it's really important to teach children these lessons, but it's more important to let them participate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't that many opportunities for children um, to volunteer in community service, to volunteer for special service projects, or to say, hey, I'm raising money or I'm collecting items for a back-to-school drive or a coat drive or a Christmas present drive um, for those less fortunate than I am. So it's really important to give children the opportunity to put these, these lessons and this education into practice. So it's the Helping Hands Foundation in Washington County, which is in conjunction with Washington County Children and Youth, um, collects presents and takes donations for over a thousand children in Washington County. And so my girls and I um, collect presents and take donations and um, donations of, of even wrapping paper and gift bags and scissors and ribbons. Um, and then we participate in the wrapping and distribution of those gifts. And my daughters participate in the wrapping and distribution of those gifts. Um, And I just think it's really important, like I said, uh, to give children the opportunity to put these lessons into practice. And so we try and we try and involve other children. Um, Most recently, we worked with WQED and PBS for Be My Neighbor Day last April. April, so April 13th, 2019, uh, will be Be My Neighbor Day again. And that is giving children the opportunity um, all over the Pittsburgh region to be a good neighbor. And um, I just think, you know, it's important to lead by example, but it's also important to give children the opportunity to participate in these activities. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of talk. And I and I uh, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I teach on a high school level and I teach yeah. uh, nine through 12th, 12th grade. And it's interesting to me is that a lot of these kids don't see their parents volunteer. So they don't understand the meaning behind it or the purpose behind it. And when whenever they have a, a, a senior project or something they have to do for a class project, they don't understand what community service is. And I think it's very important with people like you and groups that you're involved in, you're actually showing kids how to give back to their communities. Because a lot of the time, like you say, they're doing fundraisers, but usually that's for themselves or the organizations they belong to. They're not just giving it away to people that they may not even know. 
Correct. Absolutely. And so we have to show them. And, you know, and, and it's some, a lot of times it's not just children or it's not just um, uh, young people, teenagers. Sometimes adults don't know what it means to give back. And so just to show people at any age, hey, come with us come participate with us or come donate with us or volunteer your time. And we're happy to have you um, whatever stage in life, you know, you want to start participating or, or just helping others. Um, you know, you just have to teach people. People generally don't understand um, if they're not shown or taught, you know, or led by example. So I just think it's so important to give people the opportunity to do it. And I and I think I think you're exactly right on that. Now, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about about tonight is that you recently re- received the honor of being one of the forty under forty, um, and honored by Pittsburgh Magazine. How did that happen? Yeah. How did they find you, a, a girl from, uh, from especially from down this area? How did you get drawn uh-huh. into the Pittsburgh area to be part of one of these? The big recognition is what it is. Well, first, thank you. Yes, um, I I just can't believe it. Every time I talk about it, it's it just I don't. Know, it's very surreal. Um, it's very exciting. I, I'm so honored, um, and I'm so humbled because this is such an honor. This is such a huge honor for our region, our big, huge region, like all of southwestern Pennsylvania, um, and I get to represent us you know i get to represent our area our community um and we really haven't had a representative in the past so in 20 years of pittsburgh magazine's 40 under 40 um we finally have (laughs) you know we finally have representation um and i am honored and humbled happy and excited to be that person but um i was nominated and um some information was given about me uh to the board um and I think uh, I think somewhere along the line, I heard that there were around 300 or 350 um, nominees or applicants for the award, and, and they picked 40 of us um, to represent our community. And I was chosen uh, for my community service and for our special service projects with children and families in southwestern Pennsylvania, and I couldn't be uh, more happy about it. We just love it. Um, we're so excited about it. And it really to our mission and what we do uh, and what we stand for. So having a platform and having a voice and having that voice be recognized as important, you know, is, is really really, really exciting and really important um, for me uh, and for the children that we serve and the communities that we serve. Um, and so all of our proceeds from the Della and Lila book series, from our book and merchandise sales, goes into what we call the River Fund. And then every quarter, we donate to a different nonprofit. Okay. Um, yes, that helps children and families. So for um, around Christmas time, we worked with the Helping Hands Foundation. Um, at the beginning of the school year, we donated over 60 backpacks filled with school supplies um, to two children in the California and Brownsville districts. Um, we worked with uh, QED and we worked with PBS. And uh, a year ago in April, we worked with Sesame Street and Sesame Workshop uh, with their See Amazing Kids campaign. Um, 
and they highlighted us on social media for for our programs and being able to give back. So um, just all of that coming together um, for for 40 under 40 this year was just was just incredible. I'm so excited um, to to be recognized by them. I love Pittsburgh Magazine. I love um, what they do uh, from a journalistic standpoint and from a service standpoint. You know, I just think they're incredible. So to be recognized and, and honored by them is is really amazing for me. And um, what what does that mean? to you to be 40 under 40? Because you mentioned what your qualifications were or why you were nominated, but what does it mean to you? Because there were a lot of um, very different individuals that were on that list this year. It was just a really incredible list. There were so many people to be honored alongside of those people who were just making their world um, a better place, making their communities better places. I mean, it is such an honor to be recognized alongside of the other 39 people who are just, who are really pioneers in our region and making our region a better place. Um, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, I, you know, I, I almost, I'm speechless you know, when it comes to that. I can obviously, I can talk a lot and I have a lot to say, but when it comes to that, it's just, you know, I almost, I'm at a loss for words because it's just so profound and incredible for me personally. Uh-huh. Um, so what plans do you have? I know you're writing your own book. Your daughters are, are, are doing their books. What else are you planning on doing for 2019? What does 2019 hold for you and your family? So a lot more writing, um, a lot more writing, a lot, a lot more community service, um, a lot more of the same, but just on a bigger scale. Uh, we're branching out. We're working with larger organizations. We're working with international organizations. Um, we are just, you know, we're just we're just keeping keeping on um, and and trying to work on a on a little bit of a bigger scale and a bigger scale. And we really want to um, we really want to highlight our region, and we really want to. Um, just keep giving back, you know, because it feels so good. Like it just feels so good to um, to be able to help people and to be in a position to help people. Um, it just feels so good. So we're just going to keep doing more of the same and keep um, being helpers and good neighbors. And I, I think it's really an, impressive that you and 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 I use this term. Um, as, as a term of, of pride for this area of the Brownsville, California, Fayette, Washington County areas, that you actually have become the ambassador to this area to outside organizations. Because from what I'm getting, not many people, for a lot of time, people don't realize we're here until there's someone like you that go out and say, this is the good part of what's going on in our area. And not only the good part, but you're also helping people within your own area where you came from. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope to be, you know, I, I hope to be shining a spotlight on us, on our community, mm-hmm. um, on all the amazing people who are here and bringing recognition to our area. Because um, as much as we are Pittsburgh, we're not Pittsburgh. Um, we don't have the same access to the things that people right. in Pittsburgh have access to. Um, 
And so we really need to, to let people know, like, hey, you know, we're doing our best down here, but, you know, we can always use some help. And there are some amazing people in our area doing really incredible, amazing things. But, um, you know, we're not Pittsburgh. We don't, have, we don't have the same access to education, to community resources, even to parks and recreation. We just don't have that here. Um, so let's make it. Let's build it. Let's make this a better place. Let's shine the light, the very bright light on our area, and let's see what happens. And I think that's something that you and your husband and family is doing, which is very impressive. I was reading something earlier this evening before you and I started talking um, concerning the uh, steamboat of Arabia. And I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. I am. I am. Yes. <laughs> but it's in uh, Kansas City, Missouri right now, and they're having financial issues with it. And I read the article and they're talking about bringing the archives or the the contents from within back to Pittsburgh. And I spoke to someone. I said, but it doesn't belong in Pittsburgh. It belongs in Brownsville. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, that's not Correct. true. I said, no, it belongs in Brownsville. I know people that worked on the history of that. And for some reason, us being a small town outside of the region or in the region, but outside of Pittsburgh, everything, everybody thinks everything should gravitate towards Pittsburgh. And don't get me wrong. I grew up north of the city of Pittsburgh. I moved down to this area. It's been almost 30 years now. And this is my home. This is where I'm from. This is where I want to be. I have access to some of the most beautiful mountains in the world. I have access mm -hmm. to everything that I need within a within a short uh, short drive. And I try to tell people that we are who we are. Pittsburgh is who they are. And yes, we share a lot of things in common. But we need to get credit too every once in a while for the things that we've done. And that's a big absolutely. one. Absolutely, I absolutely I couldn't agree more. And and and. The ship, the Arabia, um, although in a field yes. <laughs> in Kansas City, Missouri, it belongs in Brownsville. Mm -hmm. That's where it was built, launched, and, you know, started its voyage. So it absolutely belongs here. So maybe we should talk about that <laughs> <laughs> off air. I, I think that's a that wonderful idea because I have a, a very, very close friend of mine actually um, wrote a lot of the history um, for the museum in Kansas City and unfortunately oh, okay. passed away years ago. And uh, she was that she was enthralled because she was considered a local historian um, of the area. And uh, it, it is very special to our hearts because of who uh, helped with the um, the background of that boat, because a lot of people didn't realize that it was built in Brownsville. But that's another story yes, for right another here. time. Um, yes. but <laughs> that, maybe that should be your next book. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Della and Lila. <laughs> and the steamboat. The Arabia back home. There you go. Um, anyway, Brian, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future with any other endeavors that you have. Please feel free to get in touch with me and we can share this with the region and with the area um, about what you and uh, your daughters are doing. And I'd love to talk to you again sometime in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed myself, too. And uh, again, uh, have a great night, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Thank bye -bye. you very much. Bye-bye. Brianne Mitchell, the co-author with her daughter, Della, of Della and Lila Meet, 
The Monongahela Mermaid, here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. I apologize for the brief difficulty. My sound card went, and then it came back again. So I don't know if they're, I don't know what it was. We won't even try to figure it out. But um, a great, great, great individual. Um, I know her and her husband. Unfortunately, I don't think she was able to place me with uh, <laughs> who I am, but we've talked on several occasions. This is the first time we've done the show. But anyhow, as I mentioned in the beginning of the program tonight, we got a new home here in the near future. We're going to be on WMCK.FM. Yeah, you heard me right. We're going to be on WMCK.FM here in the near future. And some of our guests coming up on the program, online with Bill Alexander, is going to be on um, in the future, next few weeks. We're going to have Clark Ingram. We're going to be talking about Dumont Television and the history of Dumont and UHF. Um, we talked to Clark a few weeks back, and he agreed to come back in the program. Uh, the cartoonist from Maze Tunes, Joe Woes, he's going to be joining us also. We're also going to be talking to a friend of mine of the program, Mr. Eric O'Brien from PBRTV.com. Again, that's Eric O'Brien of PBRTV.com. And we're going to be talking to the comedian, April Bruckner, and we're going to be talking to her um, about her ventriloquist act. And she was just recently inducted to the Bethel Park High School Hall of Fame. That's right. Hall of Fame. And uh, she's actually living in New York City right now. And she's done some stuff on, in Vegas. And she was on the John Quinones program, What Would You Do? And she had her ventriloquist dummy with her. I don't know if I should call it a dummy or not, but uh, she had that, and it was quite entertaining, and we'll share that link with you here in the near future. We're also going to be talking to Larry Jorgensen of Coca-Cola Trail. We're going to be talking to him about the history of Coca-Cola, where it started and where it's at now. And then Adriana Gavazzoni, who's a mystery writer, will be talking to her sometime in the month of March. But until then, I'm glad you're able to join me tonight. We'll talk to you next time. And uh, remember, you can check us out at italkradio.com. US for the audio podcast, or go to the website online with Bill Alexander for the actual video feed of the program, and we can uh, share that. And we're also on Stitcher, on TuneIn, um, Player FM, anywhere you search online with Bill Alexander, guess what? You'll find me. So everybody, you have a great night. We'll talk to you next time. And thank you for joining me here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. I'm tired and I gotta go home. I'm tired and I gotta go home. My baby told me she's gonna set me free. If I don't hurry back home, so I better be on my way. You know I cannot stay. It's been nice, you know, but I gotta go. Yes, I gotta go home. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.